This episode is brought to you by the Pivot to Stability and Demand Workshop. This is a workshop for upcoming 2020 and 2021 trending strategies for in-demand leadership opportunities in energy, oil, and gas. This is a very, very important online course simply because we have a recession coming up and those industries tend to get hit the hardest. You need to discover what are some of the best moves professionals are already starting to make in your industry that you can bank on now. A few topics we're gonna cover. We're gonna find out what upcoming markets and industries will be seeking oil and gas professionals for leadership opportunities and how you can stand out for those. And most important, we're gonna talk about what magic formula you might be leaving out of your LinkedIn profile that can increase your engagement rate with recruiters. Don't miss out. The link to register is in the show notes or you can simply go to eventbrite.com and type in the Pivot to Stability and Demand Workshop by yours truly, Daniela. Hey guys, I am super excited about today's podcast. I hope this gets you excited and gets you really amped up. Uh, It got me excited just making my podcast notes for it. And I'm super excited to talk about another person. Uh, Many of you know how much of a fan of Jeff Bezos I am. But today I want to talk about someone else who I like to study a lot to get my inspiration from. And a person that just really makes me start looking at things from an investment perspective versus me getting so emotionally tied to my business. And that person's name is Elon Musk. If you are any one that is familiar with the tech industry, you know that name. Elon Musk, uh, many of you may know him as the CEO of Tesla, but I know him as this super wealthy tech investor, co-founder, CEO, and much, much more. The reason why I titled this podcast Elon Musk, if you must, is because so many of us, especially in the black and brown community, We see entrepreneurship as a hustle, as a grind, as, you know, you have to have 80 different things going if you're trying to make it to the top. And while there's nothing wrong with having a side hustle, if we don't get into the rhythm of seeing things as an investment and knowing when to pull out, knowing when to put money in and knowing when something is worth our sacrifice and time, we tend to make it more of a struggle to hustle. And it's not really enjoyable and it's not something that's really turning over any wealth and you'll see people in your family and in in our community doing these MLM uh, businesses trying to convince you to buy in and then selling houses and they have all these side hustles that require them to continuously dump their savings and a lot of money that most people probably can't really afford to put into these hustles but because they're so passionate and driven and they want to be entrepreneurs they feel that they have to kind of spread themselves thin and become you know what is it the jack of the jack of all trades but the master of none and so the reason why I said if you want to become this entrepreneur who has multiple streams of income because let's be clear the way to wealth is to secure multiple streams of income but if you're going to do that let's look at how Elon Musk started one thing at a time and then it kind of snowballed into him being this multifaceted multi-task leader who has all these things going let's talk about that and break him down a bit and like I say I hope you guys get excited because just talking about him gets me really excited I'm super inspired by him and I'm putting out into the universe that I will meet this man one day and hopefully get him to become my mentor because I really do look up to him. He's pretty amazing. 
So he was a super smart guy, grew up in South Africa, right? Went to some really, really big schools. I won't keep going into too much detail. Uh, he went to University of Pennsylvania, uh, where he got an economics degree. And then he went to uh, Wharton School, uh, which is a hefty business school. You have to be pretty smart to get in there. Then he went to pursue his PhD in applied physics uh, at Stanford and dropped out in 1995. So let that sit for a minute. Being a smart investor has pretty much nothing to do with degrees on top of degrees. What I do like about Elon Musk is that he took the engineering world for what it was worth and he got out before he got too buried into becoming one of these people who are professional students. Okay. And so for me being an engineer, studying him, uh, the reason why I like him so much is because the reason he went to school and had this background in engineering economics is the same reason I pursued the same thing is because to get exposed to that industry and that atmosphere and to start to understand how that world works. Uh, once he saw it was getting to be a point where he was not happy, he stopped investing his time and efforts and he went to start a company called zip Two. Okay. I want to pause there cause I don't want to move uh, too fast. I'm sorry. Um, this was a web software company. Okay. So let's stop there. He didn't start two or five companies when he dropped out of school. He focused and built something from the ground up. He went through the griminess of it. He started this in 1995 and he wasn't able to really do anything with this company until 1999. So he actually put his time, efforts and energy and the education he received into the Zip2 company. Okay, he was, co he was a co-founder. So this was probably something he did with someone he met in school. Then a uh, compact bought it from them for $340 million. Let's stop there. One of the reasons why he flipped a profit so quickly is because he saw a market demand. And we'll talk about that in a different, in a minute. Okay. Then let's move up a little bit more. Then he went on to say, Hey, the 340 mil was nice, but I had to split that money and pay taxes on it. This time around, I have my feet wet. I have some money and I have an understanding of how this business works, which is, and when I say business, I'm talking about the tech industry. Then he went on to find something called X.com. This was an online bank. Okay. Then it merged with Confinity in 2000 and later became PayPal. eBay buys it uh, for $1.5 billion in 2002. So let's stop there. I want you to see that he took it one step at a time. Okay. And so I'm just pretty much dissecting all of these businesses that he's a part of. And so let's move forward again. Okay. And then in 2002, uh, Musk founded uh, SpaceX, which deals with space transport. And this led him to becoming, uh, in, you know, maybe rubbing elbows with people from Tesla because they're a part of, you know, not space transport, but they are in the transportation industry, automotive, um, and their technology is pretty expansive and it probably does overlap a little bit with some of the engineering he was doing with SpaceX. So after rubbing elbows with them, auditioning, basically, he becomes the CEO um, and in 2015, he co-founded a company called OpenAI, a nonprofit research company, probably for tax purposes. Um, and in 2016, he co-founded a company called Neuralink. And, and, and later, uh, 2016, he co-founded Neuralink, okay, which is um, a really interesting company. I'm, I don't want to spend too much time on these companies because they're all amazing. Um, and then he went on to get involved with a company called, uh, the boring company, which is a tunnel construction company. Okay. So was Elon Musk saying, Oh, when I graduate from college, I'm about to start 10 companies. No, that's not what he did. 
Okay. And so that's what I want people to understand. This is a process. When you hear the term, first things first, when you hear someone co-founded, you really have to pull back and ask yourself, what does that mean? Uh, they also say that Dr. Dre uh, was a founder of Beats. Was he really? No, it was a company that had already made these headphones. Okay. He acquired the company with the money he had, saw it as a smart investment, put his name on it, put his swag on it, kind of had some of his friends in the rap industry to kind of make this the staple uh, Beats headphones, a, a thing for producers and people who were into music. And so then it became a trend. I remember uh, the year that it trended really heavy. People just were buying Beats just to have them around their neck when I was in the airport. All of the guys I remember meeting a few guys during uh, All-Star Weekend uh, some of the athletes who were flirting or talking to me, I noticed they were just wearing the beats around their neck just to say they have them. Okay. And so when someone is a founder of something that does not necessarily mean that they are a founder in the sense that you are a founder of your business, you're putting your hard earned money, your time, all of your efforts into all these different businesses and companies. And you're thinking, Oh yeah, that I'm a founder. I'm an entrepreneur. He was not the kind of entrepreneur and founder that you are actually scuffling to become. And I'm going to dive right into that. Okay. Because in today's social media and society, we see people who are extremely influenced by this, by this entrepreneur wave and everybody wants to be one and everybody calls themselves one if they have a side hustle. So everyone is a entrepreneur, you know, everybody is seeking Insta fame, whether it's with makeup, weave lines or real estate agents popping up everywhere. Why is that so, you know, because we've seen other people become really successful at it, like Elon Musk. And we say the same thing. We word ourselves the same way we see them wording their, their selves, thinking that we're packaging our product the same way or our talent. And it's not necessarily so because for every massive success, you must understand what Elon understood about himself and then mastered. So let's get into it. First things first, his understanding of wealth and perception of himself in relation to other people who were wealthy. And so I want to say this, if you, I can't tell you how many people come into my program. These are really smart people. I have a program called leadership to start up where I work with professionals in the oil and gas, helping them to move up the ladder. And the hardest part for me is to get the people, these people to see themselves as someone worthy enough to ask for a raise. Okay. There's a fortune, fortune, uh, magazine article about how the white male easily sees himself worth X amount of dollars and has no problem asking for it. They even go over what their worth is. Okay. So your white male counterpart has no issue asking for what he's worth and then adding some tax on it and some extra change for parking. <laughs> okay. And so if you have a hard time communicating about your pricing to other people with the business you have now, if you have a hard time negotiating or asking for a raise and, and, or you even feel anxiety close to talking about money, how are you going to become a successful entrepreneur when the main focus is money? So this goes back into self-perception. How do you really see yourself? Okay, let's put it this way. There are 2,208 billionaires in the world up till this date in 2019. There are 36 millionaires and growing in the world worldwide. So let's take the myth away that wealth is only for certain people or white people um, and maybe not you. The list of millionaires and billionaires are a wide array of people who are both educated and uneducated, both well-known and unknown. 
Okay. And what they all have in common is the fact that they took the Elon Musk approach. Okay. They executed and they do not see themselves as founders or co-founders or kickstarters or CEOs the way you see, you know, uh, I see so many people wearing these t-shirts saying CEO or COO and I'm running my own business. Okay. Having a side hustle does not make you a CEO. Okay. So I just want to put that out there and I'm not trying to be shady or be rude. I just want you to put yourself in the mindset of where Elon Musk put himself when he started this. They all have something in common. Okay. They had a plan, follow through and ex execute it well. That's it. They saw their businesses simply as investments to grow and keep money flowing in. And when it was necessary, they knew when to cut their losses. Okay. And so I want to say this, let's start here. If you lack confidence in yourself or you hesitate away from selling yourself, why would you be successful? And so if you can say, yeah, I want to run my own business. I'm sick of working for someone. When you run a business, you are working for someone and that's your client or your customer. Whether you're business to business or business to customer or business to client, you are still working for someone. Okay. If we look at someone like Oprah Winfrey, she had a strong sense of self back in the eighties. Oprah Winfrey uh, had a counterpart who was a white male. She had a TV show with him and he was making way more money than her. She had enough gusto in herself and enough sense of her self-worth to say, hey, I'm ready to renegotiate my salary. And when she got turned down, she still kept pushing forward and left the show because she knew her worth, which would explain why Oprah is one of the richest people in the world. So I would encourage you to start with sense of self. Before we start wearing these CEO t-shirts and quoting all this stuff on our social media, let's first start looking, how do we see ourselves? You know, you don't have to be a big Trump fan, but one thing you can't take away from Donald Trump is that he sees himself as a smart guy. He sees himself as a wealthy billionaire, not because of the money. He really believes in his own ideas. Um, real estate was not something that he was good at. It took him years to kind of get a lot of his projects and developments off the ground. But until it got off the ground, he continuously spoke very high of himself. People made fun of his structures for his bits, for his hotels and towers. But Trump ignored that. And he still saw himself as this person to be feared and not to be reckoned with in the world of real estate. And am I saying that to get you to like Trump? No, I'm just saying that to get you to see that arrogance mixed with confidence makes the perfect investor. Okay. And I'm not saying for you to be so arrogant, nobody can tell you anything, but some sense of a healthy balance of um, arrogance and confidence is necessary for someone to become a successful entrepreneur because you do need to have a sure self a sure sense of self-worth. Okay. And so I just want to say that Elon Musk knew he was capable. He had the ed education and he connected himself to the right people with the right resources. I was listening to him in an interview and they asked him what kind of people he hung around. I thought it was interesting because he said he never really talked about the friends he had, right? He kept talking about the fact that he saw that this person was talented in this area. So he connected himself to that. And so what I took from that is Elon Musk, saw that, okay, in order for me to get zip two off the ground, in order for me to eat off of this, and this be my main source of income where I don't have to go work at nine to five, I am going to have to connect myself to people who can make this thing move forward. So instead of being like this socialite, he became a socialite to build his business. Okay. And he had a very strong sense of self when he didn't have money, he was able to get people to see the vision and the dream and pour into it financially. And so you have to 
have a sense of self-worth and you have to have a sense of self-confidence. And I encourage you to start with negotiating your salary, being comfortable talking about a raise, being comfortable talking about a promotion, because if you can't talk about it at that level, how are you going to convince uh, investors, shareholders, and people at that level that your company is worth $340 million, just like he was able to convince Compaq to cut that check to him? So let's, let's, let's look at that sense of self-worth. Okay. What is your understanding to wealthy people and how do you see yourself in relation to that? Do you really think that you are really as smart as someone as Elon Musk? It's a good question to ask yourself. Let's move on to number two, stop chasing money and validation and solve a problem. This is the, my favorite uh, thing that I pull away from Elon Musk. For every business model, for every business he founded, whether it was Zip2, and for those of you who keep saying, what is Zip2? It was a software company uh, that he started and Compaq bought that. Remember, that was his first move. The second move is what PayPal is today. That's X.com. Okay, it was an online bank. He said he wanted to simply find a way to pay for stuff online safely and without feeling like his credit card or personal information was at risk. You know, how many times have you guys bought stuff from China or online and you get it and you kind of worry about putting your credit card into those systems? Well, that's where PayPal came in. So stop right there. Chasing money will have you hustling. But if you are connected to the pipe and you are reading, you know, uh, New York Times, Financial Times, Wall Street Journal, Market Watch, these things will simply outline to you where the market excuse me, I have hiccups, <laughs> where the market gap is and where the market demand is and where people are having a breakdown, okay? And so this is what Elon Musk did. He didn't start a clothing line because he loved fashion. He started something to solve a problem. So many people don't realize that 90% of startups fail simply because no matter how smart you are, no matter how well-educated you are or what family you come from, if you do not solve a problem that a lot of people have, you will not make money. Okay, and I don't say this to be insensitive, but I don't care about what you're passionate about. If it does not solve a problem, it will not be successful. That's how most startups fail. Okay, chasing money will have you hustling. Um, I think of side hustles, uh, meaning you have to work. You know, you have three or four side hustles. And instead of you looking at it in the sense of what can I do right now to transition me into one stream of income that matches or exceeds what I make in my nine to five? And then how can I take that money and invest it into multiple businesses to increase or create multiple streams of income? Okay, so that's a completely different mindset. Hustling makes us feel resistance and we start to feel like we're struggling. Um, Elon Musk started a company called Zip2 and then he sold it. I just, I, I cannot stress, stress enough. Yes, you look at his resume and you see he owns all these companies and he's co-founder and CEO. But what you have to understand is he did one thing at a time. He built a company, sold it and did it again. Okay. And we see this cycle in oil and gas and with the wealthy, they will build a company, put some hustle into it, some elbow grease and sell it and move on and cut their losses. Elon saw PayPal as a solution to a huge market problem. Thus, it was worth the investment of his time. He wasn't chasing money. He was chasing solving a problem that the industry as a whole in the tech industry were like chattering about, okay? And they all saw it. I wanna encourage you to read a book called Blue Ocean Strategy because this is the approach he took. Um, 
oversaturated markets exist, right? That's what blue ocean, ocean strategy tells us. We see bloody waters when the markets are saturated. It's so many people going for the meat, right? So many sharks in a tank going for the meat. But even in those, you can still swim to blue and clear waters, meaning you get out of the chaos in the oversaturated markets and you start to look for market gaps that exist. And so I'll give you an example of um, a blue ocean strategy that was applied to a saturated market. Rihanna. Rihanna is now estimated to bypass, to surpass, excuse me, she's going to surpass the earnings that Victoria's Secret is supposed to see next year. So pause. Why is that such a big deal? Do you know how many lingerie lines there are? Hundreds. Why is it that Rihanna's lingerie line is so big? It's not because she's pretty and everybody likes her. Rihanna saw a market gap. African-American women were always complaining every year at the Victoria's Secret, uh, what is it, the yearly thing they have with the performances and they walk the runway, the semi-annual show, we would always see these biases happen or come up and we only see one or two black models. Um, and so people were having a problem also with the fact that Victoria's Secret models did not look like real women. Also continue to look at the fact that we have this thing happening in the black community where everybody's embracing their blackness, you know, hashtag black excellence, hashtag black girl magic. So she saw a market gap. Hey, there's no lingerie line that's actually high end. We're not talking about your reality TV stars with the with the hood stuff on their uh, bras and stuff. We're not talking about that. She's we're talking about high end, simple, clean, simplicity, um, hot stuff, really nice things, uh, lingerie for women of all shapes and sizes of, and all colors, something that's bucking the system or changing the way we see women. And who else better to do it than Rihanna? So many women see her as this, this super feminist. She's in tune with her sexuality. It fit her brand perfectly. So whoever was strategizing this for her, hit the nail on the head because before, uh, I think it's called Savage Fenty before it even hit the market, it already was estimated to surpass Victoria's secrets earnings for the year of 2019 and 2020 black makeup lines. Let's look at Supercent. Okay. That's an oversaturated market. Everybody in their mom has a makeup line, but what makes her so special? Supercent is a chick from new Orleans who has her own makeup line. You can hate her or love her. A lot of people don't like her, a lot of people absolutely adore her. I actually like Supercent. What I will say is that she was a regular around the way girl who did makeup tutorials targeted towards black women who were just like her. And what, what is it that black women have a tendency to complain about? Not finding their colors, not being able to have a palette to contour if they're dark brown or medium brown because the other high-end brands only go so far up the color spectrum. So when you see somebody like Supercent, she's funny, she's a, a cool chick, she's somebody you will want to hang with, she's an around-the-way girl. She then takes this and takes a position on the market where she also plays into the black magic, uh, black girl magic, black ex hashtag because black people right now are so hardcore about supporting their own in their community and she has a high-end product and the product is nice she was hitting all the right uh songs singing all the right notes right 
She knew her market. And I'm not saying to exploit the black community. What I'm saying is know your audience and know what they're wanting to see. So many black people were pushing for more black makeup lines, which would explain why Sephora has been targeting more black makeup lines because people are not trying to buy this ivory colored makeup. Most people are not that color. And so take it to AJ Crimson. He has these beautiful lipsticks that's highly pigmented for women who are um, dark skin, who have beautiful dark uh, skin. And maybe they don't have lipstick colors or a wide range of lipstick colors that they feel comfortable in. And so now we have someone like AJ Crimson using these beautiful, beautiful chocolate models showing that different colors of lipstick are different colors of nude lipstick on variations of brown and black women. How hard is it for some women to find a nude lipstick? I'm very fair skinned and I know it's hard for me. And so he caught my eye because I was like, oh, wow, look, this is someone who's looking at a, a wide array of colors for nude lipsticks for women of color. And so it's not so much that they went into oversaturated markets. They saw a gap and they saw a problem in an oversaturated market and they plugged in and fixed it. And now these are labels and brands to be reckoned with. So before you pack up and quit your job, ask yourself, what market gap or problem are you solving? Okay, so let's move on to number three. Last but not least, do you do the work? Okay, so all this hustling and scuffling, Elon Musk is not trying to do that. He is not about that life. Elon Musk is the guy who's saying, look, I have money. Tell me what this business is. I'll buy it from you. I'm going to put my face on it. I'm going to put some technology into it. I'm going to give you some of my expertise in engineering. We're going to move forward. I'm going to be listed as a founder and we're going to keep it moving. So he has a team of people who contribute to his success. He is really not out here engineering all this stuff for SpaceX and all this um, other stuff for Tesla. He has a team of people. He's just a damn good advisor. He's, he knows his market. He knows the tech industry. He knows the highs and lows of it. He knows what sales, he knows what he can get financed for. He knows what he can get backing on. And to take it a step further, when I'm talking about don't actually do the work, it's one thing to know the tech industry. It's another thing to understand economics at a level of billions of dollars or multi-million dollar empires. And so um, there was a rumor that him and Epstein had a relationship where Epstein was advising him on financials. And guess what? I don't blame him because if you are anything, if you are smart, you know to go pay people or hire people who know way more than you and put your ego and check it at the door and let those people drive you to success. So if you are insecure about hiring a life coach or a, uh, uh, somebody to help you walk through how to negotiate, which is what I do, I'm gonna plug my program one more time. If you are hesitating about things like, getting somebody to give you a sense of direction because you don't want to pay, you don't want to come out your wallet. That is not the Elon Musk approach. Elon Musk says, I will throw money at it and money will be thrown back at me. I'm going to put $10 in it and I'm going to get a hundred back. That's what Elon Musk says. I'm going to pay the smartest person in the room $50 and I'm going to make 500 off of it. So Elon Musk is not this guy who's walking around that is trying to literally build all this stuff. He's walking around finding smarter, better, quicker, faster people, building teams, building something via them and putting his face and name on it. And so guess what? That's what typically happens in the world of business. So if you are actually doing all the work, you are doing it wrong, my love. You must be secure enough in yourself to get someone who's quicker, faster and better than you 
and give money to that, you would probably see more success hiring someone to hold you accountable, a business coach or a life coach, than you are throwing money at all these different ways of trying to fail. Okay, so um, that's first. You have to see yourself as an investor, not a person that's actually trying to go broke, putting money into all these side hustles. Investors ask questions. They look for the market problem, the need and demand, and they also see people as resources. Okay, the investor says he can do everything without giving up everything. The hustler says I can do everything, but I'm gonna give up everything in the process. That is backwards. So adjust your thinking and really think about uh, this as you move forward with any business proposals or any business planning. Uh, Dump the idea of friends approval and seek business associates. Okay, investments won't give you the warm and fuzzies all the time. Sometimes it's just a smart thing to invest in this business because it's going to turn over a significant amount of money, right? Do you really think that he's passionate about that company? What is the name of it? The one, the boring company? No, it's just, it was a damn good investment. He does. He's not passionate about tunnel construction. He's passionate about the fact that he's in a tech industry. And in order to keep those investments moving, he needs to keep money moving. It's no different from Shark Tank. They find businesses that they would like to connect to. They're not going to put their money into helping you start your business, but they'll help you with some back end costs. But they're expecting that money to pay back to them. So I want you to start looking at yourself as an investor and Elon Musk, if you must. Until next time, I really hope this got this helped you out, guys, and I hope you got something out of it. God bless, and I love, love hearing from you guys. Make sure you click the uh, link notes, or the notes in the link. I'm sorry, it's late at night, and I'm sleepy. <laughs> Make sure you click the uh, notes in the link, and... Give me some feedback. If you're interested in hearing more about my program, my program is simply for leaders or professionals in the oil and gas industry who are looking to leave the industry eventually and go into a startup company or starting their own company. And so I simply take you from the beginning process of um, negotiating your salary, helping to revamp your online presence for a professional brand. Uh, and establish you as an authority and with some expertise in your industry and then pushing you along the way to open up that door to start your startup company. I'd be, I'd be really, really grateful if you join. I'm so grateful that you're listening. Until next time, God bless. And I hope to hear from you guys in the comments. Holla.